The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this special episode of the Heat Check, I'm coming to you live, baby, from Sacramento. I'm with my guys, D-Lo and Casey on 1320 ESPN in Sacramento. What follows is the best of from a show that I can only tell you was absolutely epic. I haven't had this much fun in a long-ass time. Do me a favor and drop that generic-ass beat. Got you. Let's yeah. get uh, eye emojis all throughout the chat. Yo, let's it's get, really let's real. Get in her. Yeah, we've been boom. talking about it for months. It's really real. Mr. Crick was gonna be here around uh two or three, two two o'clock or so. So Trista's here. How long it. have we been planning this? What like two months? Months, many months. How was the trip? <laughs> How was the trip? DC to Listen, Phoenix. Here's the thing. First of all, it's like a little weird being in person because it's like you usually wait. And then you don't interject because there's like a delay. There's no delay here. No, we're, we're here. Just, we're no, just we're in here. the flesh. We're yeah. just in the flesh. Not many people get me up at 4:45 in the morning. Mm. I work until 11, but you guys did. Woke up at 4:45. That's love. Had a 7 a.m. flight. Had a delay. A little connection in Phoenix. Placed some bets because it's That's still legal doing. there. Yeah, had a couple of couple of free bets to be made. Uh, you ever been to Sacramento? No, this is my very first time. My very first. I am so excited. Sacramento's kind of like, I think. I don't imagine Sacramento's one of those places. Oh, psh, I've been there like four or five times. No, Unless you true. have a connection here. Like, what are you Never seen for? Fox Live. Never seen Sabonis Live. Oh, there you go. Last time I saw LeBron Live was finals appearance. Well, you didn't see appearance. LeBron in L.A.? No, I've oh. never seen him as a Laker. Oh, wow. Never okay. seen him as a Laker. I saw him against the Wizards. I obviously saw him during the finals. Mm-hmm. But saw him once against the Wizards in D.C. I think he dropped like. 60. It was that iconic one where he was just doing post moves mm-hmm. over and over. Was that the one where he hit the, the game winner? Yes. On the off the back mm-hmm. well, game, he tied the game yep. in overtime. That one was iconic for and no they got reason. The, the, the uh steel shot of Kamaya Adams mm-hmm. yeah. sitting there with her mouth like stunned. Yep. Yeah. That was a classic. Game. One. So yeah, I haven't seen him in a Laker uniform. It's gonna be great. You've seen Thomas Bryant though. I haven't seen 
Thomas Bryant. Yeah, you're right. I see a lot. Of, too much Thomas Bryant. You're, you're, you're going to miss Austin Reeves, though. Uh, he's 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 not in the lineup. Um, That's a shame. Um, yeah. How could, what were you guys' thoughts on the early? Because I felt disrespected. I'm not even from here. I was like, we've got Austin Reeves votes and no deer and Fox votes? Well, there was a theme to it. Like Lakers fans and Warriors fans yeah. showed out and they voted and they voted. And like, that's that it's, it's a gimmick. And we, it's, it's, it's an email capture and it, and it's getting people to go to NBA.com and do all of those different things. And it's a smart strategy by the NBA.com. And it's also an acknowledgement. We're never going to take your vote seriously. You're never going to get Austin Reeves with all due respect or some random player uh, into the all-star game because we're just going to eliminate it. But we want you to keep going to the website and keep going to vote. Yeah, we want your ad. We want the ad revenue. That's we it. We want the CPM. Yeah. That's and it. And then on Mondays, it's like it's like American. I said this on the podcast. It's like American Express. On Tuesdays, you get triple Two, the votes. That's right. Yeah. Triple, five times, five X the votes today. Yep. So place your Josh Hart votes. Place your Austin Reeves votes. Jordan Poole. I, I can't remember. What did happen when Zaza was leading? Did he just? Nothing. But did he, he didn't finish as the leader. He didn't finish as the leader. So when whoever, you know, took the next spot, Zaza was just gone. He was and, just gone after and that. And I don't think that happened. If Zaza was the leader with two weeks left, I don't think there was a mad dash to get him out. The NBA said, to hell with this. Yes, uh, Zaza does uh, not have the most. LeBron closing in on Zaza Pachulia here. They're just making up votes. We don't know how it works. That's, that's what I we, like, well, that's how most electoral processes work. Yeah. Just, just votes being found just, from anywhere. I mean, you, Except for the Senate right now because they just can't find those votes anywhere. It's wrong. I saw Bill Knight Invitational on one that day. I know, I they were out the Moda up. and the. Moda. I wanted to go up there. But I'm never getting out of the way for Thanksgiving. Come on now. You don't think so? No. Why, you couldn't make it a family event? They don't want to go to war for Thanksgiving. I get that. I get that. Come on, guys. Let's go watch some college basketball. I saw. I told you guys, that. I saw Rob Plinka there all by himself. You did? Sitting by himself, walking by himself, scouting by himself. This past year? Yes. He probably shouldn't be scouting by himself. Yeah. That's just, that's just, that's just my and with what observation. Picks, Rob, with what picks do you have to scout? Are we talking about second rounders? Are you looking at well, they have the are you looking first at rounder. Pete Nance right now? You have <laughs> they New have Orleans the first, first rounder. It's just going to be like twenty seven. Yeah, I mean there was there's going to be. What are you going to get? Armando Baycott with twenty seven wow. pick. Come on, that's phenomenal. Knowledge. That's amazing. See, I got to step my game up. This week, I really started to dive into my college basketball. I was watching UConn and Providence the other day. That's a good uh, game. That yeah. was a good UConn's, game. UConn's big. That was a good game. I watched. Um, I watched. Uh, I should have been watching UCLA USC last night, but I, I love the Big West or I love the West Coast Conference, right? So, as you can see, no lie, He's I've got Big West game on right now. Right Long Beach second. State versus uh, Cal State Northridge. It's not even live, but um, I was watching Gonzaga in San Francisco last night. Should have been watching UCLA USC. That was the game. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was on. You had a tweet. I think it was 100 right. It's like this is the same Gonzaga San Francisco oh, same game every single year. Every Doesn't matter year. who's playing. USF it. takes the lead by like 12. They lead sometime in the second half, and they end up losing at some point. When is Drew Timmy just going to be gone? Because this, I'm tired oh, of watching. Drew, Perry, gonna, Ellis, Timmy. <laughs> he's not going to be. He's not going to be in the league. He's not a NBA player no. at all. No, no, no. We've talked about Gonzaga more times today than anyone <laughs> probably else in the country has. Even Gonzaga's <laughs> campus radio station is like, yeah, we don't really want to. Let's find something else to discuss here. You're listening to D-Lo and KC on KIFM West Sacramento, 98.5 FM, KRX, QHD2 Sacramento, ESPN 1320, driven by Lashers, Elk Grove Dodge, always live. 
on the Odyssey app, live on twitch.tv slash ESPN 1320 and youtube.com slash ESPN 1320. It is officially Tristamento, Kyle Masson. Live oh. from the broom closet. Apparently, oh, yeah. they got we Kyle back in the broom closet. We out here. Kyle, uh, I posted that video and people got very mad that you got Jordan Poulter. Well, you know, see, this Check. is the other thing. There you go. You're good there. I'll tell Jordan Poole to stop turning the ball over at end of quarter possessions and everything will be fine. Did you ever make up with the Warrior fan base? No. I mean, I they get so mad when I call them our dubs. I like, thought they about get that so the other day. I was like, man, Tristan. Really you deserve it, though. You're a lifelong Warriors fan. Everybody knows yeah. that. No. Everyone knows that I ride or die for our dubs. Everybody knows that. Our dubs. Where are we going to stay? Where are we sitting? Do we know? Is there like an element? Do well, we know? yeah, we're, we're they don't call him courtside Kenny for nothing, Tristan. Well, until <laughs> I leave, I'll leave. Do I have? I'm gonna be. That's I'm already be right set there up. There I'm with set the, up with the, the um, media. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's where I always. But be. don't you always sit on the court? Thank you. Come on, man. Nobody buys your crap. <laughs> Stop selling it. This is a moment here. We got the we got the four screens. Kyle Matson is in the building. Kyle Matson covering the uh, Sacramento Kings for ninety five seven the game tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, when the Kings take on the Lakers. But before we, we dive into this conversation, can we get our brother Leezy on the phone here real oh, quick? Oh, hey. oh no. Can we get oh, Leezy? Leezy, come on, man. Leezy, get in here. Leezy, that was my bad. That was E-me, Leezy. Yo, yo d I want to say this, man. I met Aaron Rodgers twice in Tahoe. He's never blocked me. So <laughs> put that out there. Easy. I'm, here, I'm serving more time than Brett Favre out here, man. man. <laughs> oh, my God. That's true. You definitely are serving more. That's my Leezy. That's my fault, man. I apologize. You are hey, folk, uh, segue real quick. Yep, hey, go ahead. Well, yeah, kinfolk. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Trista, one of my favorite guests on the show. I've seen her on the Deuce and Mo podcast. I really loved her story, so much respect to Trista. Quick, quick, real quick, real quick question. Who do you think is going to have the better season going forward, Trista? Your Blazers or the Kings? Mm. Now, remember where you're at. <laughs> I, I honestly think it's Sacramento. Honestly, I don't think that's close. Uh, Gary Payton's going to need to be point of attack, point of attack defender, locking people down. I don't like Nurkic at all. I, I like him less than I like this version of Rashawn. Well, you got him for a while. I for know. A very uh, high price. I'm starting to go back on. Remember earlier in the season, I was like, I think the Blazers are going to be here. I'm starting to fall back. I on am too. Bit. I am. Boy, too. you flip flop a lot during a season, man. I tell you, it's hard not, not true. to. You went with, but you they were your Panthers like two weeks ago. Well, I said I thought they were going. I thought they were going to win the division. Steve Wilkes had him playing well. They ended up losing. But hey, you see our guy. He's about to be a star after All Star Weekend. Oh my God! He's about to be. Put a star. your money. Does he? Does he have the most bounce in the league? I said yes. that last night. Yes. He's got the most bounce in the league. Absolutely. Oh, Kaminga's I, I <laughs> <literally, laughs> up there, but Shaden Sharp got the most bounce in the Kaminga league. Kaminga should should enter the enter the. Isn't Kaminga in a boot? Oh no! Yeah. Got a swollen foot. Oh, no. That's really you That's, do a boot for a swollen foot? I guess so. You like a pack it back down. Our dubs, <laughs> our dubs training staff, they've taken some heat recently, so they want to take every precaution to make sure they don't turn into a Kevin Durant popped Achilles situation. You know, oh, no. don't want that. No, too no. Soon. Too, too soon. soon. Is it too soon? Oh, yeah, I don't kinda, know. It, it kind of is. Uh, I guess okay. I guess my shout out will come from Wheezy on the next call. That's fine. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for the call, Easy. I love it. Yeah. Uh, an official welcome uh, to Kyle Matson, 95.7 The Game, 
uh, Candlestick Chronicles and Kings Reporter for 95.7 The Game uh, tomorrow night when the Kings uh, take and on. And Niners Wire. Lost on, and Niners Wire. He's the prince of Niners Wire. And he is the curator. Indeed. Uh, indeed he is. Let's stick with the Warriors just for a second. Um, so tell me about Jordan Poole and his relationship with the Warriors fan base right now. He's fine. He's like, so he's fine, I guess, but he's just made a couple like really glaring mistakes over the last couple games. And you can live with those mistakes when he's shooting it well, but when he's gone, I think he's 25 of 53 his last two games. And he's like three of 22 from beyond the arc. Like that makes dribbling it off your foot with six seconds left in a, in a tie game or a one point game or whatever it was like, that makes that way more glaring. Um, he had the bad turnover against Utah when Utah came back from like five down with four seconds left. Uh, he had a, he had a really bad turnover in that game. Um, and it's just kind of an ongoing thing with him right now. Portland as well. Once against Portland too. Right. And once against Atlanta. Yeah. He just, he continues like in these end of quarter situations where it's like, Hey, you, you got the bag. So this is your spot. Like you get the ball create and he doesn't, he creates turnovers. And it's just, it's just a, it's a frustration right now because I think the expectation was so high after the way he burst on the scene last year. And then he comes in and he plays really well in the playoffs. And then in the finals was when I got really encouraged because he was unplayable early in the finals. And then he kind of just started to figure it out. He figured out how to have an impact and he ended up having a decent series. And so it was like, Oh man, this year he's going to really make that leap and he's regressed. And with no Steph and no Wiggins, it's like, Hey, this is your time. And he's just not been good enough consistently enough. Well, you know, it's one of those things where, and I like Jordan Poole. Like there was a, I think it was the first Phoenix game they played when they were on TNT. Clay got thrown out or whatever. But like early in that game, Kyle, you might remember Jordan Poole was cooking. And I was just watching. I was like, this dude, his offensive bag is crazy. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm a big Jordan Poole guy. I like his talent. But it's one of those things where we talk about with players, right? Like, you can be a good ball player, but to be the guy, to be franchised, that's a whole nother level. And and that's essentially with Steph being out and Clay trying to work his way back to where, you know, he is that type of guy. They asked Jordan Poole to be franchised, and he can't do it consistently. He'll hit 43 one night, you know, because he has that type of talent. But another night he's dripped ball. But I also, I think it's hard to be franchised when you're not, the franchise. No. <laughs> but, yeah. But he but, but we, he he should be right now. He should be, and we see that he's not franchised. Well, like he can't, I don't think I don't he think can think be that's franchised. Fair. That's what but that's what separates like it, it feels like every player in the NBA, not every player, but a lot of players could go for 40 in a night right now, right? Right now, yeah. But, yeah. But to be great, you have to consistently not score 40, obviously, but consistently just be like, hey, you're gonna rely on Jordan Poole to make the right play, and he's gonna get you 25. And sometimes he'll get you 40, but he's just going to make the right play. And in a big spot, you can rely on him. And they just can't can't right now. And it's just kind of disappointing. You can't rely on him. I had the Warriors, and I was (laughs) DMing back and forth with Kyle about this. I got so mad. I had a a nine-to-one parlay. All I needed, all I needed was the Warriors just to beat the Pistons. That's it. That's the last leg. And so oh. I get home. That's it. That's all I need. Damn. I had Buddy healed over 16 and a half points. <laughs> that hit like miraculously. I had, I forget what the other player prop was. And then I had some random like Nick's money line, this, that. 
And it, all I needed, it was a six-leg parlay. All I needed was the Warriors, just to win. Just don't mm. cover, just to win, just the money line. And I'm locked in. I get home from the show. I'm like, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm not on my phone. I'm not doing anything. I'm just watching this game, like, very in detail. <laughs> and I, I have to let, I have to DM Kyle immediately. I'm like, there's nothing like the scorn that you feel for Jordan Poole unless you have money on the Warriors. Because <laughs> you can feel every bad decision, every decision that's making them lose the game. You feel it in your soul. You don't want him to touch the ball. You, mm. He's hitting, like, he's throwing up these corner threes that are wide open, turning around like Steph. <laughs> More like Nick Young kind of, though. With the oh. it, it was Nick Young-esque. It really was. It was D'Angelo Russell-esque. It was Buddy Heald. Oh man, it that's was, what people in the chat have been saying. They've been calling him Buddy Hill. I, don't go there. Don't high go there. Ego, low IQ. Like, and it's so fun. It's so it's so fun when he starts cooking because it's like, yes, Jordan, yes, you got this. And then when he doesn't cook no, and he Jordan, acts the same way, know. it's like Jordan, no. And you can see Steph just being like, oh my God, why? Why did I hurt my shoulder? Please, Lord, <laughs> get me out of here, please. And he's trying to like play it off. You can tell Clay's trying to play it off. We've all had these moments. Steph's had this moment. I've had this moment. It's like, yeah, but there's been no expectations of you guys to win a championship in those moments when you guys were still young. Mm-hmm. Joe Lacob's doing the Tim Kawakami podcast, and he's like, yeah, uh, I might shed contracts next summer. Who knows? We'll have to see if we're a winning team. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Boom, we're all Boom. here. Let's go. For those that are watching on youtube.com slash ESPN 1320, James Ham, our 1320 Kings insider is here. Now everybody the uh, is 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 on the, the screen. Box. This is great. Yeah. Uh we got a full house in here. Everybody is in the studio. James, Trista, uh Dilo Casey. We're so happy that you are here with us. Um Fine. James, um, <laughs> I saw you tweeting. Uh, Malik Monk didn't practice today. Any any reason to believe he won't play tomorrow? Uh, you know, he's been dealing with a bunch of little things, right? Uh, he had the wrist injury, then a shoulder injury. Uh, now he had, uh, it looked like he had a tense machine on, on his left calf and was in flip-flops today. So he, he did not practice. Um, I don't think I'd be too concerned. Plus, I think he loves to play against the Lakers. It's mm-hmm. a team that, you know, decided to go other ways last year. So... I wouldn't doubt that it's worked out really well for them too. Yeah. He's going to be up for that game. I would be surprised if he didn't play, but 
again, we don't know yet. And just like we don't know if they're going to waive somebody today uh, or tomorrow. Like it's going to be like down to the wire. Now, do you want to elaborate on that a little further? We've obviously seen a bunch of news come in from Shams and Woj and the Lakers made some moves and guaranteed some contracts. What's the significance of that time frame to, as to why you brought that up? Yeah, the Kings have uh, three players who are on non-guaranteed contracts in uh, Matthew Dellavedova, Casey Akpala, and Chima Moneki. Um, if they're on the roster as of January 10th, then their contracts become fully guaranteed. If uh, And that means in order to clear waivers, you have to be waived. I think the deadline is tomorrow. It's uh, January 7th. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, Della Vadova is owed like $2.65 million on the season. So basically, you'd look at half of his salary coming back. Uh, with Shima, it's only a million bucks, so 500000 bucks. There's no way the Kings, I, I think, will waive Shima just because he's young. Um, they don't have a second-round pick this year. Sort of a guy that they're they're bringing along slow at the, at the G League level. And then... Casey Akpala, again, a budget guy. Um, I think his contract's only like $1.7 million. Um, so if you waive him halfway through the season, you you don't have to pay that second half of their contract. Um, and it doesn't really matter. I mean, you can pick up all of these guys' contracts and still waive them after the fact, but you have to pay the rest of the year. Um, so it's just, it, it's not about so much saving money as it is roster flexibility and everything else going towards the trade deadline, which is, you know, looming next month. Yeah. And that you answered that's what I was about to ask. Like, what would, what would be the real reason for doing that? I mean, and especially like multiple guys, like I could see maybe one guy, but you said it's not money. The money's already spent. It's already going to be spent. It's not really helping anything out, but it would be, you know, for rec roster flexibility for a potential trade. Yeah, yeah. So if you do a two for one of the trade deadline where um, you send out one player and bring back two, um, you're going to have to cut somebody. I mean, it's a hard cap of 15 players for the for the NBA roster. So this just allows you to cut somebody now while their their money isn't guaranteed and you don't have to pay them out. Um, you know, it's it's a way of I guess it is saving money, but there's also the situations where you get to the end of, uh, you know, right near the end of the deadline. And a team like we just saw with with Boston, where they just traded no Vonley to San Antonio, mm -hmm. and they did that to get under the luxury tax. And so San Antonio picked up like a future, future second round garbage pick, which they'll never convey. But they also picked up probably two million more than what uh, his contract was worth. So they made some cash on the deal. And so if you have that 15th roster spot open, it leaves you with the ability to do that. It also like if there's a big trade and some other team has to waive two or three people. Well, then you can claim somebody if you have an open roster spot, or you can go sign somebody after they clear waivers at the deadline. Um, so it's just a way to, again, free up a, a roster spot now that you could use down the road. You're listening to D'Lo and Casey on KIFM West Sacramento, 98.5 FM KRX QHD2 Sacramento, ESPN 1320, driven by Lashes, Elk Grove Dodge, always live on the free Odyssey app, live on Twitch, live on YouTube as well. James Ham, Tristan Crick, both in studio uh, with us here today. Uh, one quick thing I want to I, I want to mention, uh, we've had our fun with Tristan Thompson, but he is a former king. His mother passed away unexpectedly. Uh, so, it, it, you know, we, we tell our, our TT jokes, uh, but we'll send our love to Tristan Absolutely. Thompson. That is just an wow. unimaginable thing that he is going through, uh, right now. So, uh, you know, Kings up, fans, man. you know, send them, 
send him some love as I've seen that come across my timeline uh, a couple of times. Um, we've been talking a lot and Trista, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this too, as I know you've been watching the Kings pretty closely. There's a microscope. It feels like James on the Kings bench right now and their rotations and it's guys are in guys are out they're they're playing and then they're not like we we noted the last time the Kings and the Lakers played to me as Kata was five or five to me as Kata didn't even in, it's not even playing anymore we 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 tracked back to the Chicago game when um uh Chemezi Metu he went five for five and then every subsequent game his minutes started to drop before he was out of the rotation well what is Mike looking for what he's not looking for is someone who can score I mean, in all honesty. Well, he's got a whole bench who's un- incapable of scoring right now. I mean, at the, at the at the five position, okay. at the back of five. So that back of five position, he's been very clear. Like, he wants someone who plays defense. He wants someone that will rebound. He wants someone that will set screens. And he wants somebody that is not going to go out and pick up three fouls in two minutes. Defend without fouling. And put you in, in foul trouble. Like, either at the end of the quarter or at the beginning of a quarter. And then, you know, you pick up two or three quick fouls and which is what Kate has done quite a few times. Uh, well, I, I'd say quite a few. Probably two of the four times he's played, he's got three fouls and like no time at all. That's 50% of the time yeah. he plays. So he wants him to rebound, and that's been a huge issue. And they all take turns like failing. They they get to a certain point, and I think scoring 10 points for Kata, and the same thing I'll say about Ch- Chimazi Metu, the second he scored 10 points, it was like, uh, it's like when it... When a dude hits a home run in slow pitch softball, you might as well kick him off your team then. He's worthless from then on. All, what? He, do, all he does is fly out for the next five years. And like, that's what happens in slow pitch softball. You got dudes who hit home runs all the time. And then you got that dude on your team who hits one home run and then it, it ruins him forever. He just wants to hit home run. That's what it feels like with these, with the bigs. They score five points, they score 10 points. All of a sudden, they start to feel themselves. And then they stop doing everything else, and it just becomes a disaster. And I'll say, unfortunately for Mike Brown, it's not just the center position. What's happening at the center position is impacting the other guys. Because once you pull one of those things out and they start to fail, then it makes it really hard for Malik Monk to get loose or even De'Aaron Fox to run with that second group when your center's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. And we're watching this second unit completely collapse over the last, I don't know, three or four games, right? Uh, there's been two games and I know they didn't score in double figures and that's just unacceptable. Hammy, what happened to uh, our guy, Rashawn Holmes? I used to love him like maybe two years ago. He was the number one roller pick a roll in the NBA. We talked about this maybe last year when I would come on with you guys. He has declined to the point where he is unwatchable, unplayable, unusable. Why? Uh, Well, first of all, the Kings don't run pick and rolls. Yep. Uh, Secondly, they no longer have Tyrese Halliburton, who is one of the best pick-and-roll passers that you're ever going to run into. Mm-hmm. I mean, look what he's doing in Indiana. Uh, he, he just is killing everybody in the pick-and-roll. That's what he does. They don't have a natural pick-and-roll guy. And then they're they're asking their bigs to do a lot more. They're, uh, they're supposed to be like screen setters and basically bumpers on the outside. Uh, Sabonis is a guy they're running the ball through the whole time. But when it comes to Holmes, like he still wants to roll to the basket, he doesn't set the screen. He more gets in the way than sets a screen. And it's just not what they're trying to do. And so it's a problem. And uh, I think when he's not scoring, he's a guy that instantly starts to like 
struggle a little bit and and lose his focus and he loses focus on the defensive end he loses focus as a rebounder uh there was a point where i mean Rashawn Holmes averaged 1.6 blocks per game like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, where is that? Because when we talk about him and what the Kings need, it's they need an active rim protecting rebounder uh, that, you know, and, and you're you're looking at it, you're like, I'm describing Rashawn Holmes from two years mm-hmm. ago. He's just not the same guy. He got poked in the eye a couple of times. One of them was horrific where he had to have like stitches in his eyeball uh, last year. He got COVID. He had the off the court stuff. It really just kind of like knock the wind out of him and like i still see him i saw him like maybe 30 minutes ago 45 minutes ago and and said hello and you know it's he's still cordial he's still like he seems like the same guy he's just not the same player on the court and Mm. it's hurting it's hurting the team because he's a guy that if they would have known this is who he was now they would have tried to move much harder during the offseason yeah Mm. you know i saw the the memphis game was really i guess illuminating because i Man, Sabonis was getting absolutely eaten up by Steven Adams. Mm-hmm. Like, Steven Adams, somebody that size, somebody that can do those things, obviously not him particularly, feels like somebody like that may be like a backup five for different matchups for the Kings. Like, is there any possibility there's somebody out there like that for, for the Kings to go after at the deadline? Yeah, I mean, with Steven Adams in particular, um, I, I think that's – Sabonis had just come back from the broken thumb. Like he, it was really new. And it's one thing to try it. Like, again, you're going up against whoever for the Lakers tonight at center. It doesn't really matter. They can't hang with Sabonis at all. He doesn't need his hands to push around these guys. He can just drop a shoulder and get to the rim with no problems. You can't do that against Steven Adams. You need like every single thing that you can possibly throw at the guy. And the fact is Sabonis can only throw one hand at him. Mm. And he needed his teammates to step up and help him with Adams, and it never happened. And so at some point, I mean, Sabonis still had 14 rebounds in that game. He was really good. It was the fourth quarter where, like, the ball just seemed to find Steven Adams. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, and he's a great rebounder, and he's a big, like, thick dude who can just shove everyone around. But I just think that, like, that was one game where Sabonis just couldn't use his hand. And it's very seldom that you see that. I think Steven Adams is probably the only guy in the league that I would put in the same ballpark as far strength as Sabonis. Yeah. And if if you can't push, if you can't, you know, it's like a boxer. You can't go into a boxing match with one hand. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to work out for you. And that's what I felt was the biggest issue. You know, James, um, going or going to or going back or staying with the bench, Mike Brown's done a phenomenal job this year. He's done a phenomenal job. One of the questions I have about what's going on right now is it feels like in the first 15 games of the season, he was empowering that bench. He was, we got 10, 11 guys that can go. And we, we going to go like, we going to get, and you know, I know he's a defensive guy, but we all kind of marveled at it, right? Like, Oh, he's a defensive guy, but man, him and Jay Triano, they got this offense buzzing. We talked about that clip that KD had on his podcast when he was like, yo, they got Metsu you got to worry about. Terrence Davis hit us for 31. Like, there's so much on offense. Like, we don't know what to do. It felt like Mike Brown was empowering the bench. Now it seems like he's kind of sucking the life out of some of these guys. When you talk about Terrence Davis not being able to be part of the rotation. I know, you know, some people feel whatever about Metsu, but I thought he was – I thought he was part of what was going on in a positive way yeah. earlier in the season. And now 
he can't get off the bench. And you have the comments from Mike Brown when he was like, you know, I'm looking for this. I need this and that's this and that. And it just seems like he has Terrence Davis and Casey be defensive player of the game one game and not play the next. He's got these guys on edge mm. as opposed to empowering them and letting them maybe play through some of the mistakes and, and still get a feel for the game. Do you see the same thing with what he's gone, what's going on with this bench right now? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, it, before that, to answer Trista's question before, um, I keep saying it. I think the Kings should go trade for Mason Plumley as the backup center because I think he does everything that they need. Plus, he also knows Triano's system. Plus, he knows how to pass. Um, but to get to what your question is, um, like, look, guys fade in and out throughout the season. They have their moments. But the one thing we also know is the fun, crazy, up-tempo style that we saw in the first, I don't know, three, four weeks of the season. Other teams around the league are able to adjust and they're able to take some of the things away. And the problem is that when you take something away from Sabonis, he can counter because that's how good of a player he is. When you take something away from Fox, he'll counter Herder will find a way to get open. Some of these other guys, first of all, they're playing out of what their, their comfort zone was anyways. Mm-hmm. Shemezi Metu is not a passing big man. He's not a guy who sets a great screen either. Um, and so when you start to take things away, they start going back to what they're comfortable with. And that's not what the coaching staff wants. So I, I was actually, I was talking to someone about the telecast to earlier today and they're like, yeah, we haven't really seen those moments where Mike Brown is, is coaching on the court, like during a timeout. And it's like, well, because Terrence Davis isn't playing and he was always yelling at Terrence on the court <laughs> court. Like there comes a point where as a coach, you got to go with guys that number one are adjusting properly that are giving you a chance to win and start relying heavier and heavier on some people. The one game that Malik Monk blew up 33 points, right? You remember who was coaching that game? Jordy. Jordy. Okay. Well, every game since Malik's back to playing 18, 19, 20, 21 minutes a game. Like there's something that happened in that game where he was clearly like what you're saying, empowered by somebody to go do something. Um, but not everyone steps up every game. And that's what we keep running into. We keep running into this problem. We got a bunch of guys who have never been, this good for the needed to be this good for this long, mm-hmm. like Herder, like Monk, or you know, they've always been part of something, but they haven't been such a big part of something. And it's hard to sustain that. It's hard to understand how to make an adjustment as a player and to be that player for 82 games or whatever it might be for you. So, a lot of guys just cooking, just know how to cook, know how to get their own shot, know how to just be kind of singular, yeah. or they have certain skill sets and then that what? doesn't fit into the team. Well, the other thing that that I was saying, and you're right about that, but Terrence Davis, like my my where I'm, you know, looking at is Terrence Davis, Metsu, and Casey Akpala, and them not consistently or at all being part of the rotation. And you talk about like Mike Brown always had to talk to Terrence because Terrence was in the wrong spot. I get that, and I get how that can be frustrating. But what you're doing isn't really lighting the world on fire either. So why not go back to what, and I'm not saying they're going to win seven in a row, you know, but why not go back to, Hey, I got to get Terrence in there. I got to find a way. This is coaching. I got to find a way to get the most out of Terrence. Is he going to give me what I want every single time? Probably not. But 
what I'm doing right now where I've got an eight man rotation and we're uh, averaging like 20 points a game max from the bench that, and I've got to play these starters 40 minutes a night. Like that's not working. So I got to find a way to get the most out of Terrence Davis and Metsu. not playing them. Isn't really helping us right now. Yeah, but you can only play so many guys. And I'll even say, like, I know what's your line? Today's price, <laughs> yesterday's not, price yeah, is not, not today's, today's price. price. Yeah. Okay. Well, that it kind of goes the same way. Like, a player who was good two weeks ago might not be good now in your system. Mm-hmm. It, and that's up to them. It's up to them to buy in and fully stay locked in on what they're supposed to do. And then to make the adjustments that the other players that the opponent is doing. And I'll bring up Trey Lyles. I think. Trey Lyles, the last five or six games has been superb. And you know why? Because he's hitting the glass and he saw the same thing that all of us did when Steven Adams took them to the woodshed. And you're just like, Holy cow. Mm -hmm. And he's taken a, a mental approach to say, I have got to be a guy who goes and gets rebounds. And so not only did that translate to him getting more minutes at the four, all of a sudden he's starting to play the backup five role as well. And it's not because he's a, a lockdown center. It's because he's going and doing something, one of those things that Mike Brown has asked him to do. He's making the adjustments on the court that are necessary. And some of these other guys aren't. And we talked about it all the way from the beginning of the season. There's going to be maybe a nine-man rotation. And that ninth man is going to go from one player to the next, one game to the next. Sometimes it is Casey Akpala who gets those minutes. Sometimes it is Terrence Davis. But when Trey Lyles is rolling and he's playing really well, you got to feed the guy who's actually listening and doing the things, making the adjustments and, and, you know, sort of promote that and promote that. Like this is, we're asking you guys to do specific things. This guy figured it out, go do what he's doing. And for a long time, I thought Shemezi Metu had kind of figured that out, but I also feel like he lost his way a little bit and it's hard for someone to like, once they lose their way and you're out of the rotation, like getting back in isn't easy. You're, you're dealing with, three or four other guys that are all clamoring for that same spot in the nine man rotation. Well, but isn't that kind of like what Mike Brown is supposed to be doing too, is trying to figure out a way to motivate each player individually and find out what buttons push them or whoever his, you know, the, the lieutenants on the staff are to work with these players individually to know what gets them going and you know, what tunes them out. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But at the same time, like, what are the Kings? Are they seven and eight over the last 15 games? Mm-hmm. They're actually really, if you look at the schedule and you saw you, at the beginning of the season, you looked at that stretch of games, you go, oh, seven and eight? No way. There's no way they'd go seven and eight. And now you're looking at them going, okay, like seven and eight, they they had some battles. They had two games where they they messed up and they let teams get by them, but they rebounded. And they They went three and three on the trip. They went three and three at home. Even after two really bad losses, you know, they battled Denver uh, on a back-to-back and came away with one of the wins. They've got two wins against the Utah Jazz, which is not only huge for you, but it also stymies one of your competition and, like, shoves them down in the, you know, break-it-up category. So I I think they have done a really good job. And now you look at this section of of the schedule. It's, like, seven or eight games against all sub-500 teams. I want to see what they look like at the end of this stretch before I really want to say, how do they look in this, you know, in that 15 game stretch? Because I, I think it's part of the same conversation. You got to, the ebbs and flows of the schedule, the schedule and injuries and all that stuff. You're holding on for dear life most of the time. And you're just hoping that, you know, you can motivate 
eight or nine guys to do the right things each and every game. And when a guy, you put a guy out there and he doesn't get it or he's not focused or he's not doing exactly what you want, get him out. And that's what Mike Brown's done. I think his adjustments on the fly, it doesn't feel good to some of these players, but it, it's necessary. Like there, there hasn't been a game where I thought, huh, I wonder why he did that. Every single time I go, okay, I saw Namias Kata drop four rebounds and I saw Rashawn Holmes come in and I was like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense to me. I watched Rashawn Holmes look like he was totally lost on a basketball court and Chemezi Metu took his spot. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't know that that's what I would have done, but it's certainly something had to be done. Even the Alex Len start, that was the right play. Like you're going up against a two-time reigning MVP. You don't stick Namias Keda, a two-way player out there and say, all right, big boy, go ahead and try to stop that guy. Like you're asking for six fouls in eight minutes. That's what you're asking for. And it's not just that he's out of the game. It's that now you got to deal with the six fouls that you picked right. up and how many times are they going to be at the free throw line because of those six fouls. And so like, I don't think that they've really missed all that much this season. I think Mike Brown's done a good job, but sometimes you guys miss shots. Sometimes the guy goes crazy and scores a bunch of points, or sometimes the guy goes crazy and gets a bunch of rebounds. Those things happen. So that you think the play of those second unit players, is that on them or on Mike Brown? Well, look, I mean, in a perfect world. And maybe uh, that's not fair. Maybe it's on them or on the coaching staff. I'll say this. In a perfect world, you got better players to play those minutes. You got two guys or three guys that do exactly what you need. So right now, Mike Brown is out there whittling a, a square peg and trying to make it fit into a round hole all the time. So, so, but you say that, like, we know we, you, you, and I even think one time Mike was definitive in what he wanted from the secondary bigs. Yeah. But like Terrence Davis, what does he want from Terrence? Well, the problem that you have with Terrence is that they went out and got Malik Monk and they went out and got Kevin Herter and you have Davion Mitchell. And then, Oh, by the way, you got a 35 minute a game guy in, in uh, De'Aaron yeah, Fox. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. And there are some nights where you can you can go small with Terrence at the three. But the problem that this team has is very clear is that they don't have that that four that can block shots, that can rebound, that can do the dirty work that makes it easier to play a guy like Terrence. That's the problem. You know, it's like you can't mix, you know, we always do the the Batman, the original Batman. Don't don't mix the shampoo and the and the uh and the deodorant you know or, or it'll kill you yeah it'll yeah. kill you yeah so um but that's the problem like trey lyles and terrence davis are two guys that really i don't know they can play together and you have these players that if you look around they're they aren't natural fits together and they're missing you know again if you had jaron jackson jr on this team like everything falls into place if you had laurie markinen on this team, everything falls into place and you can make a bunch of other moves at the three at, that, you know, to gamble with a guy like Terrence or, you know, whatever it might be. It's he just dropped like, 49. Oh my God. 49 freaking point. I thought he just did that yeah. stuff against the Kings. Lori Bird. 49. Tell you, that yeah. Dude Lori is on Bird a tear right now. Yeah. Did we they got... get, did they get marketing? Is there any way that they could trade for him? Yeah. We've talked about this and like, it really does depend. Number one, if Utah is going to, is going to sell, but, I'm going to keep saying that it's very possible that Utah does sell because 
Danny Ainge is a guy who likes to have the mystique of Danny Ainge as much as anything else. And the fact that he was able to get what two or three first round picks for Donovan Mitchell, and then could take the other piece that he got from that trade and turn that into another two or three first round picks. All of a sudden he looks like a genius who went out and got 11 first round picks for two guys. And that's something that I think he would listen to. And um, if I'm the Kings, it's probably going to cost you one of two things. Um, well, maybe one of three things. You'd probably have to negotiate with Atlanta and take protections off your pick for Kevin Herter. And so you would have more range in your pick. So you might be able to give up a 2023 and a 2027 if Atlanta would take a 2025 pick. So I, I think it would take two first round picks or it would take Keegan Murray and something else. Ooh. But like we say, ooh, but he's a 25 year old guy who's under contract for two and a half seasons yeah. who. Who's averaging twenty-three and a half points? I think I would. Twenty-three oh. and eight, and he's. And I think that, I would. He's a perfect fit. He's, he's a, per- a perfect fit. He's a next, perfect next fit. Next to Sabonis, he's yeah. a perfect fit. The only, the only hesitation that oh, I would God. have is Laurie Margan has an injury history, and he he hasn't been injured this year, but this is like the first time he hasn't been injured. Yeah, but uh, you know what? Like the the player, I think we're starting to see him become a little bit more like is michael porter jr mm-hmm. right he's just this like rangy crazy like you do all this stuff he doesn't have that kind of injury history no he don't have it like that no no but i mean, I mean skill to me at least skill was never the issue with laurie marketing i i loved him at arizona he just wasn't able to stay on the floor and when you talk about when you talk about trading harrison barnes or rashawn holmes that's one thing when you talk about trading keegan murray Ooh. for somebody with Sketchy and I keep telling you guys, I'm not promoting that, no, that no, the Kings not, go trade yeah, Kigamer. I'm just telling you price. that what it's, it's going to take. Yeah, that's yeah like it's not what it sounds like to me. <laughs> Hammer. Uh, okay, so somebody in the chat said that they that somebody like Clint Capella might be a fit. What do you think about that? No, because Clint is a, a natural pick and roll guy. Like, is he a bigger version of Rashawn Holmes? Sure, but the Kings don't run that offense. He's not a fit and, for right. Mike Brown. Right. Yeah, he's not, and he's not a fit for Jay Triano's system. Um, you know, I, I, I don't even really know who the perfect fit is, but even I'll say this, even if you got Laurie market in, you still need that set. You still need Mason Plumley. Yes. And so that's where like, it, it's kind of, if you look at the way that the golden state warriors are, are built with, uh, with Draymond and Looney, like you need something you need similar Looney. to Looney, yeah. but you also need that player to be able to pass because, that's just not lo- what Looney does. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need a strong man like that. And that's where I, I really do think that a guy like Mason Plumley fits because he does have the passing element. And he does know Jay tree on his offense. Um, and a- again, I don't think he he's on an expiring deal. He's 32 years old. What's it going to cost you a second round pick and a couple of expiring contracts. And you land a guy who really could change not only your, your offense, but also he's a really good defensive player. He can hold his own. He can go get you rebounds in a pinch. He's kind of like a guy who he knows his role. And, and when I say like you got to get a better player, that doesn't mean that Chemezi Metu can't be a good NBA player or, or you know, Trey Lyles or uh, Terrence Davis or any of those guys. But Mason Plumley is defined in who and what he is. If he's in your eight or nine man rotation, he stays there and you know exactly what you're getting from him each and every night. These other guys, you still don't know what you're getting each and every night. And it's really hard for Mike Brown to like expect, you know, Casey Akpala to come in and give him honest minutes when he, he talked about this today at practice. Like how many minutes has Casey Akpala played in his career? 
Like he and how many of those minutes were were real minutes, not scrub time minutes? That we don't have a sample size for him. And so it's hard to put your faith and your trust in somebody and leave them out there when they don't have a track record for doing it, especially when you're already doing that with Keegan Murray because he's your young guy who you're putting all your faith in and you're bringing one guy along um, and allowing him to make some mistakes like getting beat in crunch time. Um, but you can't have multiple guys like that so, that are making mistakes. Sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you got to do it. And especially when that's your problem, like you can't guard anybody. What's the alternative? Not put them out there and still keep getting beat on the perimeter. Cause the guys that he is playing, they're not, they're not getting the job done in that respect. It'd be one thing if like, like you didn't want to wear down uh, Harrison Barnes and he's a lockdown on the, on the perimeter and he's keeping guys out of the middle, but I have to play this guy 42 because he's the only one that can do it. No, I'm not shading Harrison, but they're not doing it either. So like, what's the alternative? You just keep on not having it get done. Or you say, Hey, let me take a chance with KZ here. Or, I know this isn't the best fit, but let me take a chance with, with TD right here for, you know, three, four games and see if we can improve in that area. What if I told you that as someone who's watched the Sacramento Kings for as many years as it you that you have and as many years as I've covered them, that we are so preconditioned to watching players who aren't good enough to be on the floor, we're so conditioned because the Kings don't have five or six guys that are good enough to be out there for 40 minutes a game. And so we're so used to somebody who realistically isn't good enough to help a team win 30 games. Mm. And so you're like, well, just give him a shot because, you know, we've seen it so many times. Like how, you know, let's just try it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like for like the year before I started covering this team, John Brockman, like he played serious minutes for this team. My first year, Pooh Jetter played minutes for this team. (laughs) Antoine Wright, Luther Head, uh, Darnell Jackson, Darnell Jones. Uh, This is a hell of a list. (laughs) Like it's uh, Dante Green. Um, you know, like I can keep going. Like there are so many players from that team. Luther Head sounds like a Vince McMahon creation, not a former <laughs> seven, Sacramento. King. Seven players were no longer character. on the roster, right? Seven players were no on the, longer on were no longer in the NBA a year later. A year later, okay. So the team we talked about, the Monty McNair's first team, mm-hmm. how many guys are not in the NBA from a his first roster? Them. And we're yeah. talking Whiteside. So some some of them he signed. Yeah, uh, well, Whiteside and Glenn Hassan Robinson, yeah. right? Uh, but Justin Jackson, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm Justin James, uh, who is the other guy, the the crazy leaper who is on a two-way oh, Daquan. now? Daquan Jeffries, um, Kyle Guy, uh, Nemanja Bialica is no longer in the league, mm-hmm. Jabari Parker. So what I'm saying well, is that- Bialica chose that path, He he At way. 34, he chose he that path. He chose that path. But my point is that are we <laughs> so conditioned as people who have watched this team forever that- we're so used to these guys who are fringe NBA players and we're saying, just go ahead and give them a shot. It's like, that's not the goal this year. The goal this year is to snap a 16 year playoff drought. And that requires really good players because you're not just fighting against 15 other teams in the Western conference. You're fighting against 16 years of, of absolute drag that's pulling you back in every single step of the way. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's tough, but like, I hope these guys figure it out, but this, that's not what this year is about for the Kings. That's all the time that we have for this bonus episode of the Heat Check. Check back tomorrow for an all-new episode. Please do not forget to check out the feed for past interviews, past episodes, and a whole bunch of bonus content that I put a lot of effort in. So please follow us at the Heat Check across the NBA season. Download, subscribe, please rate, please review, please tell your friends, because the Heat Check never sleeps. See you again.